Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Well, many thanks for joining us on the Journal of Biophilic Design today. We're really happy for you to be here. Um, some of you might know that the next issue, the Cities issue of the Journal of Biophilic Design is out. There is a Kindle version and also a hardback version that you can buy on Amazon. If you like our podcast, you would also most welcome to buy us a coffee on buyusacoffee.com and search for the Journal of Biophilic Design. But anyway, that's the promo out of the way. Um, we're really excited uh, by uh, to be joined by Bertie Van Wyck, who's Insight Program Manager for the Global Insight Group at Miller Knoll. He's going to be speaking at Workplace Trends Conference in London on the 19th of April 2023. And he's going to be drilling down into research and insight onto the future of work. In this podcast, he's promising to give us a completely different perspective on the reality of sustainable work. And I've put a link to the Workplace Trends event and the spiel along with the podcast. So do check out the event. It's always great for networking as well. So first of all, Bertie, many thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Vanessa. That's brilliant. Um, before I ask you what got you into workplace um, research, could you tell us a little bit about uh, Millenol, please, and, and what they do? Fantastic. So Miller Knoll is kind of the family brand for Helmer Miller and Knoll. And we're one of the world's largest research and furniture design manufacturers pretty much all around the world. So creating great spaces, that's what my organization does. And what got you into uh, workplace research? What's been your own personal journey? Um, uh, my background was uh, international business and international marketing. And I've always wanted to know about the why and the how. So I ask way too many questions too many times <laughs> to the detriment for my boss and everyone else around me. I want to know how things are, what makes them the way they are, um, and the reasoning behind them. And, and for that reason, I ended up in this role about eight years ago, and now I absolutely love it. So I like to understand why do we do what we do? How do things make us feel? How am I more healthy, more productive? productive and more connected to others and how do I use that data to try and change people's behavior and how they feel how can I make a better world through the data that I know and that's what I get to do today wonderful that's great um <laughs> the research that you've conducted are is it's incredibly extensive you just mentioned that the, the before we started recording that it's been thousands of people for for, for years you've been going over to try and find out you know, how people feel about their workplace. Um, obviously, this is a massive question, and um, but no way is, is you, are you going to be able to answer this in, in, in our little podcast here. But um, in a nutshell, to kind of set the scene, what does the future of work look like? Uh, are we going to be... <laughs> Are we going to be in an office? Are we are we having burnout? Are we sort of carrying plants around with us? Or are we being measured by IoT? What's uh, that's a yeah. That's such a fantastic question. And the funny thing is we can only predict so far after that. The reality is probably a bit more crazier than either of us can imagine. But we pretty much foresee the future of work, the future of the office as the space to connect. Mm -hmm. So when we have office environments, the purpose of that will be to be able to connect with others. Otherwise, you know, we don't need to go in. But it is pretty much a hybrid future and we as Millenol, we're part of the Future, For Fortune, uh, the Future Forum Consortium and we engage 10,000 knowledge workers 
from all around the world every quarter. So it's us, Foster Consultancy Group, Slack, and MLT. And we grab all this incredible research and data to give us an idea of how people are feeling about their environments right now and what they're expecting of the future. And when we start looking at the, the pure numbers, we know that from February's report, 81% of employees surveyed one flexibility in where they work. So we know right at the top of the agenda is, I wanna be able to choose where I can work. We know that 93% of employees want flexibility in when they work. So not just the location, but also the flexibility around, do I have caregiving responsibilities? Do I need to look after an elderly parent? Do I have to look after my dogs? Can I be flexible about what also works well for me and works well for the organization? So finding that balance is going to be key for organizations going on to the future. And we foresee that, I don't want to standardize on anything, but it's going to be around two to three days in an environment where we're actually physically together. And again, there will be choice around the teams on how they like to work. And that's what I kind of foresee as the future of work. Oh, that was good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's condensing quite a bit down. I actually remember coming to um, a a event. It was like a work work sort of strategy event. I must say it was before before COVID, and you had it was a thing called the future of the workplace. And everybody was brainstorming different ideas. And I remember saying mm -hmm. before COVID, I remember saying that it would be like a venue. So I, that's how I sort of saw the future of work. So it would be a place where people would come. So anyway, I suppose that's kind of what's happening. <laughs> it's a venue, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's making people, um, you know, trying to generate somewhere that people are going to enjoy coming to. Uh, yeah, I, th I think the big the idea around that too is just to understand that you know, we shouldn't be thinking about getting people back to work. Because that mm. back to work is not a positive idea. And how work used to be, that's not necessarily where you want to go back to. You want to go to something new. So what's the future going to be like? Let's change the idea of what's going to happen, what the environment is going to be like, what you would expect in that space in the future. So not like a complete return to the old, but go to something new. That is what we're expecting of the future. So this podcast is about biophilic design and also sustainability. Um, maybe we could talk about both of those, but maybe we could break them down into two parts. Do you think there's an overall shift um, in businesses actually taking on board employee well-being? Uh, I see sustainability and well-being as two completely different things. And I, I would like others to also kind of keep it that way. A lot of the times I see calls and conferences and they they pretend they're going to talk about sustainability and then they talk about well-being or they talk about well-being when they should be talking about sustainability. Um, so I would like for us to actually keep keep those separate. Um, at Millenol, when we talk about these things around well-being, we even split it into three. So I do three separate talks on just the well-being element where we look at physical well-being. So your physical health within a working environment, whether that's your co-working space, whether that's working from home, whether it's opening a window with getting enough, uh, enough air and enough light. Um, all of those things, the ergonomics of how you sit directly affects your mood and your physical health. That's just the physical side of well-being. Then we get the cognitive side, which is fantastic and biophilic design actually plays a big role into, into that too, where we try and make you have, make better decisions faster within the environments that you're, that you're in and decrease your stress levels. So that, that cognitive design element is really incredible on how we can change environments 
to actually have a really big impact about how you feel within that space. So with great wayfinding, you don't have any stress. With really great design, we can understand what the purpose of the space is for without having any stress of looking for a sign of trying to figure out if someone's in that meeting room. And then the last one of that is social well-being. So how can I help get people to have better connections, better feelings within the environment through designing social behaviors within a floor space, within a layout, so that people have those connections and they can choose how much privacy they want to have and how much privacy they want to give. So that whole well-being element is fantastic, but I do would like to keep that separate from the sustainability side. The sustainability side does have a fantastic impact around making people feel good and our connection to nature and how we design spaces. But there's, I would like to make sure that when we tackle these things, it's not a, we don't mush them up together. We don't put a green paint on the wall and go, ah, that is well-being. There's some great data and great research and insights out there around wonderful sensory design, which is designing for all our different sensory needs, not just for saying, um, uh, for, near, for people with different uh, sensory needs, but it's understanding that people have different uh, effects in different environments and that we can design for all of them. So I like to keep those kind of separate. Absolutely. Do you think companies are still stumbling and failing in regards to employee well-being? Do you think they understand that the workplace import, sorry, the workplace environment is important to employee well-being? I think people are starting to get an idea. I don't think they they usually did back in the day. I don't think they did maybe even two years ago. But they're starting to understand the impact of what environments have on us as human beings, specifically from lockdown from being forced to be in a certain space, from missing out from, through those connections between others. Environments have a really, really big impact on that. The one thing I wanna, I wanna be careful of is we shouldn't try and tackle a well-being challenge by saying, oh, we've just done this little thing. When in a matter of fact, in the office, there should be double the amount of staff to get the work done. Mm-hmm. What's the point of creating a great environment if the person's overworked and really, you're not paying the person enough and giving them the right amount of work to be able to do. So we start with those elements. We can elevate that beyond that by improving the environments, looking at biophilic design, improving the total feeling of that space so that people can feel and work better. But this, it can't be at the, at the expense of, you know what, I've ticked a little box and everyone should feel better now. We got yoga classes, we got green plants in the space but everyone is overworked. That, that, that needs to work in an absolute balance. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. It's true. I always think it's nuts because you build a business, um, but you need people to build a business and then you forget how to treat them. They need support. They need the spaces to go and do that. Um, they need the time to go and do that. And they also need to feel allowed to go and do that. Um, with the research that you're doing, are you finding that people can't do their job, that they feel chained to their desks? It's it's funny because it all depends on how the organization works with their staff and what their actual hybrid strategy is. Mm. A lot of people actually sometimes feel more tethered to their desk when they're working from home. Yeah. Find a shocking amount of people when they're working from home. The only reason they would get up and move around or get any connection to nature is when they need to use the bathroom. 
And that is terrifying. So for any one of your listeners that are designers of workplaces and working environments, your responsibility is actually now shifting, not just to how well you can design that space to make people feel, but also people's homes. So let's remember if someone spends two to three days, so half the week working from home, that's half of their productive time. So as designers, your responsibility is also going to be important to understand that you're not just designing for people in their working environments to make that great and make sure that they get up, move around, spend time outside, spend time in nature. We need to mimic that for the home because people are working more hours when they're working from home and they they, they stay sedentary the whole day. So we need to teach people, we need to educate, explain what good working from home looks like, explain you need to view, uh, if you can, make make sure you face the window, open up the window to get better airflow in, have plants around you because it will make you feel better like we would do if we're in in a great office environment. And as a snapshot, what is a sustainable workplace looking like? Well, the, the very interesting thing around sustainable work, sustainable workplaces, is, is there's a lot of information around what we're trying to do to make great products incredibly sustainable. And of course, you need to have products high quality that with longer warranties. And the longer the, the warranty is, the better the product is, the more sustainable it is. And of course, we as Millenol do that as a base. But I would like what I would like your listeners actually to do is, is to think about this slightly differently. So there, are, there are, of course, is things that we can do around great products. And we do that and throughout our whole organization, but with the, your suppliers and all these things to think about. But really what I would like your, your listeners to think about is, is sustainable work. And just sustainable work on its own is a very interesting concept. And by that, I mean, is, is what is your hybrid strategy for this organization? For many of your, your listeners, people might be sitting at home right now going, I'm working from home, which means I'm being very sustainable because I'm not going into an office. Now, that's actually not completely true because that doesn't mean you're actually being sustainable at all. And the, actually the opposite of, uh, of that might actually really be true, which is really interesting from, from my point of view. And that's the data and information that I, that I like to, to talk about today is we know that transport is like one of the largest contributors to greenhouse gas emissions. But then people say, you know what, I'm gonna stay at home. What I'll do is I'll just fly to my office every quarter from say Finland to Portugal. Now that flight once a quarter is the same as driving 10 miles to and from work every single day. And then people go, well, but in the pandemic, we didn't use as much energy. According to the International Energy Energy Agency, we increased home energy use by about 20%. And there's this great article in The Guardian where they summarize all this information. Because when workers um, use public transport or they drive less than four miles each way to to the work to their work or they cycle it is actually always more sustainable to go to the office so if you use public transport or if you cycle or if you drive less than 4 miles statistically it's always more sustainable and you can think about it 
uh, if you're not at home, the energy use there is, is very low. The office use stays exactly the same. Public transport stays exactly the same. So it is actually more sustainable if I, um, if I go to the office. And then people go, well, if I never go to the office, what if I move to the countryside? And let's go in the UK, I'm, it's, it's nice and easy. I go get a nice home in the countryside, which means I won't have to use a lot of transport. And I, and I try and explain to them that a home in the countryside uses three times as much energy as a home in, the, in, in a city. And what car are you gonna buy? Are you gonna buy an electric car? Or are you gonna buy a petrol car? What is your home energy supply like? All of these things are things that organizations are now gonna have to be responsible for. And they're gonna go, well, this is how much CO2 my employees put out when they work for me. So there's gonna be potentially an even higher increase from people going, you know what, from a sustainable point of view, you probably should be going back into an office environment. And that is where we had to wrap up our interview. So if you want to find out more about how much a video call uses in terms of energy use, uh, what we should be doing to create more sustainable offices, um, come and join us at the Workplace Trends Research Summit this Wednesday on the 19th of April, 2023, or sign up on their website, workplacetrends.co to watch the post-event video streams to find out more. Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.